now you're living it with your daughter and that feeling from childhood is transferring right now. Now you feel annoyed that your daughter is having these attention-seeking, sensory-seeking behaviors and you feel resentful as well. I'm Rachel. And I'm Marcela. And you're listening to the Parenting with Understanding podcast. We are parenting coaches who have helped millions of parents like you all over the world go from feeling isolated and hopeless, unable to break the cycle of permissive or punitive parenting, to feeling confident in parenthood and connected to their children's needs. Hello, Cycle Breaker. Welcome to another episode of the Parenting with Understanding program. This is part two of the coaching session with Erin. She's a mom who is diagnosed with ADHD. And she has three children, a single mom. One of her children is diagnosed with autism. And then she is struggling at the moment with finding herself not yelling, having impulsivity and reactivity at the moments of stress when her child with autism spills things on the floor and runs away when she redirects her to to not spill things on the floor. And that's what's going to be the rest of this coaching session. If you want to listen to part one is the episode before this one. Before we go there, if you want to raise your children from a place of respect, if you want to break the cycle of punitive and permissive parenting, and you've read all the books and you've um, watched all the tic-tacs, yet you still find like a, you're, you're missing the script, that there is something that you don't know yet to make this work to be able to find peace, connection, cooperation. You're still maybe erasing your voice. You still may be doing and reverting back to things that you promised yourself while a long time ago not to do again. I highly encourage you to apply, to talk to a member of my team. And we are going to, in that call, it's an application, fill out the information, and you're going to be able to book a call, a complimentary call with a member of my team where we're going to help you get crystal clear on what you need, how to move forward, and how HIC Parenting can support you to get to your transformation in your parenting, in the Parenting with Understanding program. So to fill out the application, and if you are a parent of a child 0 to 18 years old, just Open the description of this podcast episode, fill out the application, book your call, and and yes, in there, my team is ready uh, to help you discover what the missing piece is. So finally, you make parenting with understanding work in your family. Okay, let's go to Erin and to part two of this coaching session. And you're living the same kind of the same things with your daughter. You said that she's attention seeker, that she's a sensory seeker, and then it, it transfers. In childhood, you feel resentful for how come he gets the attention, and it, it's kind of like annoying resentment. I feel annoyed by this, and now you're living it with your daughter, and that feeling from childhood is transferring right now. Now you feel annoyed that your daughter is is having uh, these attention-seeking, sensory-seeking behaviors, and you feel resentful as well. Yeah, I, I've never even, I've never thought about that until 
now. And I look at it now as even with my other two, um, my oldest fights with my four-year-old a lot. Um, they, they're, they constantly go at it. Um, and I think it's because my oldest gets upset at times because my middle child gets a lot of attention. So they're kind of repeating, they're repeating the same pattern that you live with your brother. So in order to move you from reactivity and how I said this in the Parenting with Understanding program is a 14-week process. If you are interested about applying, I will send you the application and you will have a call with one member of my team to see if, if it's a fit for you, how we can help you and support you. From this coaching session, I'm not expecting that you get the full transformation, but at least that you have a roadmap of where to move towards. So you go from, I don't know where my reactivity is coming from, to now I know, and I know what I have to do. I might need more help from my parenting coach, but I know what the path is. So your main limiting belief which is, it is, it is a limiting belief, is the, your belief of it doesn't matter how much I try, I'm always going to screw it up and it's my fault. You've been carrying that from childhood and it served you. It served you because parent-pleasing behaviors kept you safe, kept you from keeping the connection with them. But now what is it costing you to carry this belief? It's costing you the presence that you may need at the moment with your daughter. And please receive this with a lot of empathy because I know that you come from, this is my fault. And as I say, this is highly possible. I saw you looking to the, to the left, down. I wonder if you're blaming yourself right now as I say these things. I, I don't know. I just... I do blame myself a lot. I've been trying to not be so negative within myself. Um, and I was doing really well with it. And then the last like two weeks have been such a struggle um, that I'm going back to all that negative self-talk that I told myself I wouldn't do. So my intention with telling you this is for to illuminate the pattern so we move forward, not to blame you. I'm not blaming you here. We, we are illuminating the pattern, okay? So what is costing you right now of this limiting belief of I have to, doesn't matter how much I try, I'm going to screw it up and it's my fault, is that you go into answering to your daughter from that place. If it doesn't matter how much I'm going to try, I'm going to end up yelling, it's my fault. And then you end up yelling, right? And then you bring on all the other feelings of, resentment and grief and your need for space to grieve, all those things. So in order for you to move from reactivity to a better presence with your daughter, number one, you need to name the pattern. And we already named it. You need to locate where you're feeling that stress, those feelings that you're having. We already located them. Number three, we need to start softening up that area of your body. Why? Because reactivity always comes from the body first. We react with our bodies, right? So if our body is tense, we need to 
make it less tense from the exact place where it feels. And number four, as you do that, you replace it with a more expansive belief. So let's go back to that moment. When your daughter spills the milk, the, the yogurt all over the floor, and then you are thinking like, here we go again. She's doing this for attention because we already went over this and I feel annoyed because I remember that my brother got all the attention and now she's grabbing the attention that is supposed to be on the nine and then the two-year-old and now I'm with her. Like all these things come up. What can you do at the moment to ground yourself, to put a stop on that? So I know you do have ADHD and I do. And when it comes to ADHD, we need help. And sometimes that help could be ourselves preparing in advance. So is there some, are you visual or auditory? Visual. Visual, okay. So what is a visual thing that you could have in your house to remind you to put a stop before you react? Maybe a bracelet sometimes. In the very beginning, when I was rewiring my pattern, I wore this, um, this rubber bra bracelet. And every time, like I talk with my hands, I was seeing it all the time. Another thing that I had was I, I had like a big sheet that I printed out and it said stop before respond, stop before respond. Is there any other, is there something that you can see that will help you at the moment. Maybe if you put it in your living room and then you say, ah, but we were in the garage, something that maybe you can carry with you or that could remind you. So you had said like a bracelet, which I have a bracelet. That's like a matching bracelet to hers. Um, that may help me, um, you know, a lot of the behaviors are here at home and I could definitely, you know, put something up. However, we're not always home. Like we don't go a lot of places, but when we go to my mom's, um, it's even more frustrating because she, I live on a one floor and she has lots of stairs and a lot of other rooms. And my nephew, he lives there and he has, he's autistic and he has a lot of art stuff. That's things that he's very into, like a lot of artistic things. And so she gets into everything there. And I imagine, I imagine the stress is bigger because you grew up as a parent pleaser and you're over there not just trying to make it right with your daughter, but you're thinking like, how am I going to behave in a way that pleases my mom, that doesn't rock the boat for, for my siblings? Yes. And my mom, I love her dearly. Um, but like if I, because I try my best not to yell at them. And then if I do, then she's like, don't yell at them. Um, and like she gets involved and so I'm trying so hard and it's a lot. It's a lot for the kids. There's also two puppies there and my sister and it's a lot. It is very overwhelming. I'm very, very curious to see, to help you in another coaching session, navigate your conversation with your, your, your mom. So you have a better experience when you're there. Uh, but that's outside of the scope of the session. But is there something that you can do or wear or see when you are anywhere? For me, it was a bracelet. I'm trying to think of anything that I may have that I could use. I 
I should start wearing my, I used to wear my bracelet every day. It's, it's one that her teacher made for me because she made one for, for her. And so, um, we had the matching ones and she thought it was the coolest thing. Um, I hang stuff around my apartment, but you know, like I said, when we go to other places, it's not that easy. So I've never thought of what I could really have to kind of like stop me. I'm not sure. Um, I probably could use my bracelet to kind of help me. So that's going to be your stop bracelet. So now it has a meaning. Before it was like, okay, this is a cool matching bracelet I have with my daughter. But now it has it, it has a meaning. It's the stop bracelet. Do you think that it could help you every time you see it? You know what it means? Yes, definitely. I definitely feel like I could. Okay, so let's go back. Your daughter is having a big old mess on the floor and you already revisited that. What do you think? And then you already said that you see that is attention is sensory seeking and attention seeking. And then I see that you don't have a good relationship when it comes to that need of attention because you associate attention seeking need with not having connection with your caregivers. So let's reframe. What does needing attention mean? Is it a bad need or a good need? I think that I grew up thinking that if you're attention seeking, that's not like a good thing. Um, however, I don't think it's wrong to want the attention of your parents or your caregivers or, you know, anything for that matter. Um, I don't think I ever thought about that like in my childhood, um, thinking, well, you know, it was just normal for me, you know, if I couldn't get their attention, um, you know, cause my mom was busy with my sister or brother. It's very interesting to me what you're saying. Interesting to me what you're saying that you grew up thinking that the need for attention is wrong or bad. And now you see your daughter needing attention and then you see that as wrong or bad and i've you know i've talked to her therapist about this um her occupational therapist um and you know they have said you know attention is not bad you know wanting the attention um want them wanting your attention is not bad you know some of the things they may be doing to get that attention may not always be the best way. However, they don't know how else to get your attention. If they're, you know, if they're doing other things and that's not getting your attention, they resort to doing other things. And so I have to help her find better ways to get people's attention and hope that she doesn't feel the need to do these things to get my attention because I want her to know that it is okay to get the attention that she wants um, or needs. But let's just say she does do those things. What does it say about your daughter? She's not, she's not bad for wanting that. Um, before my son was born, she was the baby. Um, she got all the attention. And then her father, like, passed a few months before my son was born. Um, so 
that got her a lot of attention too because everyone was so sad about him his passing and does she go to therapy i was talking to her um she's in intensive um behavioral ser- intensive behavioral service health services um right now um but that's mainly for her behaviors at like daycare that she was showing um and i've kind of touched base on it with um them about her losing her dad because even though she was young she still knew him uh she knew he was one of her best friends behavioral health services is not trauma therapy and so they did tell me of um a place they believe is around here um that may be able to help her when it comes to trauma um and they just recently told me about this and I do kind of want to look further into this um because her therapist did make me aware that one day at school she told one of her teachers that if she listens or if she's good um her daddy will come back to life for her so she's blaming herself She is telling herself your dad is gone because you did something wrong and that made me really sad to think about um we don't talk we don't necessarily avoid talking about her dad she has pictures of him she has blankets that we call her daddy blankets of pictures of the two of them and of me and him and you know we do talk about him but she normally kind of just brushes it off and changes the subject. She doesn't talk about him a lot. She'll say I miss him. There's so many things I would like to coach you on. That will be for sure. That will be another coaching session how to have that conversation with your daughter so she instead of her blaming herself for the death of her father, she gets to that point of grieving her father in a healthy way, not blaming herself. But let's go back to to what we were talking about because we're trying to change that pattern. So when you are in when you are in that moment and you stop yourself and then you notice your your tension and you may have judgments about yourself of like it's your fault that's why your daughter is spilling this yogurt and then you may have judgments about your daughter of if she's having an attention-seeking behavior, this is bad. I know my therapist told me this the opposite, but in my nervous system, it feels bad because I come from a history when my brother's attention-seeking needs robbed the attention and connection that I needed with my parents. So the the way we move forward from this is for you to stop yourself, find a calming sensory tool, which is right now you are, you say you get a a lot of headaches. It's highly possible you're not even breathing. And if you stop breathing, you get headaches. I don't even think I've ever thought about that because I like, I mean, I even have a headache right now, just like talking about all of this. I, and I've noticed like the entire time that my shoulders (laughs) have been like, very tense. Um, and I don't think I've ever really truly noticed all of that before that, that happens a lot when, when dealing with the behaviors that my, that all my children show that, that trigger me. Uh, And how do you feel by hearing all this? It's nice to be able to see that 
there, it's not, it's not my fault. No, it is not your fault. <laughs> not your fault. And I'm, you know why I'm smiling? Because this is the place, this is the exact place where change starts to happen. When you go from everything is my fault, I'm, it doesn't matter how much I try, I'm going to screw it up to it is not my fault. That's why I'm smiling because this is the starting point for your transformation. It's not going to happen today. You're going to keep feeling it's my fault because it's a pattern that is ingrained in your nervous system. And with coaching, you will get there. But at least you have a realization right now. You have an awareness. So now that you know it is not your fault, that's a great replacement belief for you to have. When your daughter spills things, she spills the whole yogurt on the floor for you to say, oh, okay, stop airing. I, you looked at your bracelet. Stop airing. My daughter is doing this. It's not my fault. It's not her fault. The need for attention is not bad. It's just a need. One of the many emotional needs that children have. I'm going to calm my body. So you say that you feel tension on your shoulders. What can you do to soften up that area of your body at that moment? I don't know. I feel like I constantly have them like up. So I guess I could just try to relax my body a little bit. Maybe some circles. I, I see you doing some circles. Maybe a few deep breaths because if you're not breathing and you're getting a headache, a few deep breaths and some circles. And as you do that, you're like, it's not my fault. You repeat that expansive belief to yourself. It's not my fault. It's not my daughter's fault. She's attention. She's seeking attention and that's a valid need. And she's sensory seeking right now. So from that place... How do you see yourself responding to your daughter at that second? I honestly, if I was, you know, calmed, I stopped myself and I calmed down. You know, I've thought about this because it's literally normally like a yogurt drink that she literally dumps on the floor. And I, you know, I'm calm and I tell her, you know, let me help you clean that up. Um, and, you know, then ask her, do you need, would you like to play with one of your sensory bins? Did you want to play with your water beads or your Play-Doh? Uh, were you looking to want to play with water, you know, like in a water? What What is it that you would like to, you know, what are you looking to play with? Because she does come up to me and tell me, you know, mommy, I would like to play with my Play-Doh or or her, um, her kinetic sand or something, whatever she's wanting to, you know, play with with her hands. Because normally when she dumps the yogurt, she plays in it with her hands. Um, so I've thought about this in these moments that if I'm calm, that I would, you know, let's, let, let's get this cleaned up and like help her. Because um, she normally loves to help me clean up certain things. When she sees me cleaning things up, she wants to help me. And then, you know, trying to help her, um, meet that need that she has, uh, that sensory need, um, of wanting to play with something in her hands. Um, or, and also asking her, like, are you hungry or thirsty? Did you want something in the fridge? Um, I can help you get that. Um, because she would then normally be like, yeah, I'm hungry yet. Can you get me this? Or she does talk pretty well. So, um, I see myself, I always picture these 
these certain things in my mind and how I want them to play out. Like literally the conversation between me and her in my head. And and you say, and in the moment it doesn't happen, but up until now you did not have any kind of coaching. And from now things will look different, right? Yes, because you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get I think it's in my bedroom. I'm gonna get my bracelet today. Um, because we're actually going to their dad was one of seven children and one of them, her daughter's birthday is tomorrow. So they're having a birthday party tonight at their house. So it's all the siblings and like their children. And so it, it can be a bit overwhelming. So it'll be kind of nice. Now, his oldest sister, she's very into gentle parenting. She's actually one that got me like really learning more about it. And then I found you on TikTok and she tries to do different because all seven of them were treated very poorly growing up. They were very much emotionally, verbally, and even kind of physically abused um, from their mom. Uh, So they want to be different. And so I think it would be interesting to see because some of them when it comes to them parenting their children, they have a hard time too. And they talk to me about it, but then they have such a hard time. So it'll be nice to have my bracelet, hoping that everything goes smoothly. However, to, you know, try that out tonight, even when we get home, because once we get home, we need to do our little bedtime routine that we have. And that's normally a big struggle lately is getting them to get into their bath and, I really want to see how it goes with, you know, doing the bracelet thing. I do plan on getting something to like put on the wall in my living room. Like I'm in my living room now and it's where my work desk is because I work from home. So I could put it somewhere that I can see it because their playroom is right there. So normally I'm looking at them from their playroom and I could stick something right there to kind of just tell me to like stop. You know what I noticed? You went from a lot of the coaching session, your shoulders were up, your head was down, and now I see you're expressing yourself with your with your arms. And then I see that your face is lifted, kind of like I see that you that you see hope. I'm very curious about something before I let you go for this session. You said that your daughter has that sensory seeking need. And then the yogurt on the floor is for her to meet that need. Is there a way? Because prevention is king when it comes to correction. Is there a way that you can have a dedicated space in your house where she can have that sensory need? For example, if she needs to get messy, to have a messy room. One of my twins, he has sensory processing disorder and he's a sensory seeker as well. And we have a messy place where he can be as messy as he wants to be so it's, it's in the patio kind of like by the backyard and sometimes he enters with mud from the head to the toe but it doesn't matter to me because it's a dedicated space for him to explore his needs that's a good so I have a small apartment however I have two bathrooms and one is in my bedroom so that's like my bathroom and then the kids have their own And it has our washer and dryer in it, but it has a little more space than mine. Mine's smaller. 
And she does like to go in there a lot to turn on the water and do things like that. And I actually just have, I have these like three, like a three tier cart thing that I wanted to use to put some of her stuff on it uh, because I have everything up pretty high right now because when it's down and she gets like, she doesn't know what to choose on what to play with. And so it's like kind of everywhere, but I never thought about maybe putting it in the bathroom and just, or, you know, even just some of it and switching some of them out to kind of give her choices. And you know what? You don't have to, you don't have to give up your expensive makeup for your daughter to have her sensory needs met. You could go to Amazon or not even Amazon, go to the dollar store. And there are so many options when it comes to sensory stuff that you can place in their beads and foam and so many things. She loves kinetic sand and I got her some kinetic sand for Christmas and she's been loving playing with that. I mean, she got a lot of makeup for her birthday and for Christmas and it, and she loves, she just loves the lipstick. Um, and she always wants Jojo Siwa because she's very colorful. Um, and so she has all these colorful things. She's very into like colorful stuff, especially pink. She said she wants to live her life pink. That's what she told me the other day. And so I have them hidden in my closet at the moment, all her makeup. And I never thought about just letting them be kind of down in her bathroom. She has this, her own little like makeup thing that she can put everything in. And I always leave it up high because she just always makes a mess with all, all. And then she ends up climbing and finding my makeup and making a mess with my makeup. I never thought about just kind of maybe putting that cart in her bathroom because my oldest daughter, she loves to do like, she did her makeup this morning. And so they both did it. Um, and they tend to use their bathroom as where they go to, to do all their messy things and never thought of just allowing that to kind of be their messy room. Um, and I could do that. Um, I have a lot of other sensory things for her here too, um, to use and could use that bathroom. It's not huge, but it's definitely bigger. There is room to like walk around in. There's the tub if she wanted to, I guess, use something in the tub or, um, she likes to do things with her baby dolls. She's like very fixated on baby dolls as well. So, I'll have to try that out to see if maybe that would help her with being able to get her sensory needs met and then not destroy my fridge and like get into the fridge. <laughs> and she, she might still go to the fridge if she's done it before while she learns the limit. So it's, it's very simple. She makes a mess on, on the floor from the fridge, redirect her back to like, oh, okay, let's, you can play with the yogurt in the bathroom and then we clean it up. That that makes it easier because you can run the water from, from the shower and then... Yeah, and I have one that you can take off and like spray. So I never thought about that. But that, that will happen when you approach her from a place of inner safety, from an expansive belief of, it's not my fault. I don't have to try that hard because it's not my fault. I don't have to try hard to be a good mom. I'm already I'm a good mom. I don't have to try hard to please anybody. I'm already a great person. Yeah. 
And I never thought about that. I've learned recently that I'm a people pleaser. So that would be great to kind of work on that. Um, because, you know, she is very vocal when it comes to things. And she does tell me it makes her sad when I yell at her and that she loves me. When she saw me upset yesterday about something, I don't even remember what it was. And I was sitting here and she brought me a little paper that she scribbled on and she goes, you just need to read this every time. It says, I love you, mommy. Um, and she goes, we love you. And, um, it is very sweet because kids sense, I mean, even when I don't tell them I'm upset and they just kind of see that I'm not myself, you know, she does express to me, which has always then never, you know, it's made me feel bad that I've upset her in that way. But I'm hoping that this then, you know, I can use this as a way of not yelling at them and, you know, not. And then, you know, she'll start to feel better about, um, you know, things and not feel like she has to, to, you know, tell me, well, mommy, I didn't like that. Right. Or to run or to run away because you said she does that right now. Yes. And so, and the same with my oldest and, and because she has a hard time with her regulating her emotions as well. Um, so it'll kind of help me with all of them. And then also teaching my son because all he sees is, I, I don't normally yell at him, but he sees me yelling at the girls and then he sees that the girls are yelling. Um, And so hopefully I can kind of change it all so that I'm not yelling. The girls are not yelling at each other or, and he's learning to be able to express his feelings and regulate his emotions. So, so the last thing, when you said that you blame yourself, you blame everything on your ADHD, when I talk into my therapist, I was like, well, I'm impulsive because, you know, I have ADHD, which I didn't know much about ADHD. I grew up just being told it was just a behavioral issue. Like, that's how I was told. Like, my brother was diagnosed when he was five. I wasn't until I went to college. So I was just, I just grew up being like, well, that is a behavioral issue. So I would just blame so many different, well, you know, I have ADHD, not realizing that, you know, some of these things that I experience are not just because I'm, I have ADHD. I mean, yes, ADHD does affect my life in a very big way. However, I have learned that I have trauma and I never thought about it from my childhood. I always just blamed it on like my relationships with my children's father and the way that I always got blamed for things, never realizing that in my childhood that I always blamed myself or didn't realize I wasn't getting the attention that I needed. It does feel good to learn that not everything is my fault. And I may have to, I have little post-it notes and stuff um, on my computers for work and little affirmations here to kind of help me when I'm feeling like negative self-talk happening. And maybe I need to write, I don't know, it's not your fault. 
on a sticky note to kind of just, you know, anytime I'm sitting here blaming myself for something with them. Especially when you step into that stressful moment. So I, I have a question for you. You said that the intention of this session uh, was that by the end of the session, you wanted to find why you are getting there, why you are losing your temper, how come you are so reactive instead of responsive. Do you think that we accomplished the goal for today's session? I know there are many things that we need to unpack. Yes, but I definitely think that this helped a lot in learning more um, about why um, I, you know, get so triggered by their behaviors and what it is that causes me to, you know, get tensed up and, and, and just yell at them. Do you see that you, you have a plan moving forward, at least some kind of something to, to do moving forward? Yes. That's great. I, I, I'm definitely, I am looking forward to, you know, using the bracelet and I'm going to print something out, you know, to, you know, like you said, printing something out that says like stop before responding. And I'm going to put a little sticky note on my computer that tells me it's not my fault. Um, and I think that that will help me because in, as we've talked about this, I've realized that even just in my everyday life with friends and family and not even just my children that I tend to blame myself for a lot and say it's all my fault. So it's interesting. Thank you so much for coming here. Erin found great transformation in this coaching session and I really hope she joins us in the Parenting with Understanding program to, to live her full transformation with her children, not just with her child with autism, but with her nine-year-old, with her two-year-old, so she can fully enjoy her parenting as a single mother uh, of these three beautiful children. If you enjoyed this coaching session, I encourage you to leave us a review. Let us know how the Parenting with Understanding podcast has helped you so far. And if you are an HIC cycle breaker, meaning if you have any of our products, join our private Facebook group. It's called HIC Cycle Breaker. You can look for us on Facebook and request to join. Follow us at The Considered Mama at High Impact Club on TikTok, on Instagram. And if you want to be a part of HIC parenting family, and help you break your cycle, move towards your full transformation. I encourage you to apply to the Parenting with Understanding program. There is an application to fill out below. Just fill your information, book your call, and I hope to see you in one of our coaching sessions in the Parenting with Understanding program. I'll see you next week, and remember that it only takes understanding to break your cycle.